Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12. Wednesday night a week ago, last Wednesday night, two weeks ago, uh, I taught on the second part, and uh, originally on Sunday it was entitled, Are You a Brethren or Are You a Brother? Are you a brother or are you a believer? believer excuse me, a believer or a brother? And I knew something didn't sound right about that. And... Uh, and then last, like I said, two weeks ago on Wednesday night, I kind of followed up on that. And we were talking about the fact that uh, in the church world, there are a lot of unscriptural ideas when it comes to gifts. And uh, particularly among charismatics or quasi-charismatics, uh, people that identify with the spirit-filled lifestyle, but they may or may not really believe in speaking with other tongues. You know, there are a lot of people that believe you can be filled with the Spirit, but that speaking with tongues doesn't necessarily go along with that. Of course, we know the Scripture teaches that they were all filled and they began to speak, and that speaking with tongues goes along with the Spirit-filled life. In fact, it's the first and the initial uh, evidence that someone is filled with the Spirit. That's how people knew that they had been baptized with the Holy Spirit as they began to speak with other tongues. And, uh, but there's a lot of people in the church world that, uh, you know, uh, are not open to speaking with other tongues. And so they interpret scriptures a little differently. Uh, and so there's this idea of, of developing people's gifts, uh, discovering your quote-unquote spiritual gifts, releasing spiritual gifts in the church, empowering uh, uh, people in their spiritual gifts and so forth. And I, I told you about a recent survey. It's not real recent. It was 2009, but that's fairly recent, uh, by the Barna Group. And it asked people to identify their spiritual gifts. And uh, the Barna uh, organization said that one-fifth of all the gifts cited by the respondents were attributes, attrib attributes that do not fit any list of gifts given by God. And uh, we went over some of them. It was kind of comical. You know, some people said that they have the gift of laughter or they had the gift of a sense of humor. Uh, some people said they had the, the gift of health. And, and, you know, you can say, well, health is a gift from God, but it's not, it's not identified in the Bible as a spiritual gift or a gifting in that sense. Uh, some people said that they had the gift of weeping. I heard that back in the 70s. One, one person said that they had the gift of tears. And, uh, and you know, there's just a lot of uh, 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 ideas out there that are not scriptural. And so when people start talking about spiritual gifts or discovering their spiritual gifts, uh, it's, it's very often uh, not a really scriptural or Bible-based uh, thing that they're talking about. And so what tonight I want to, to just uh, acquaint you with, there are three types or categories of gifts in the New Testament. Three categories of gifts. The first one is what we call ministry gifts. And uh, the next one is called spiritual gifts. And then after that, we have a listing of gifts that I like to refer to as functional gifts. There are various uh, designations of this last group, but I call them functional gifts. Uh, the ministry gifts, if you'll turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, in this chapter, there's a lot of misunderstanding about uh, the flow of this chapter and what's being discussed. And if you look through the, through the Bible, when you're reading the New Testament, if you're studying the New Testament, there are different ways to study. You know, you can focus on a passage, real tightly on that passage. And of course, you want to you take it in its context. You don't want to take a verse or a, 
or a clause or a sentence or, you know, a few words out of its context and just, you know, meditate on that. You can meditate on that and feed on it if the Spirit of God's dealing with you about it. Uh, but you have to do it in light of the rest of the, uh, of the verse or the passage, what's being discussed. You can't, you can't fall prey to uh, uh, assigning some kind of interpretation that the rest of the passage uh, doesn't support. And so there's that, there's that what I call a closer context. But then another way to study the Bible, and it's the way I do it sometimes, uh, if, I'm, if I'm not studying a subject, if I'm studying a subject, I'll run the, the references to that subject in uh, different places in the Scripture, and, and I'll study those to see what the Bible has to say about it. Or if I'm just feeding on something like healing, which I do virtually every day, I've just, I have a, a list of Scriptures that they're not all the healing verses in the Bible. But they're just the ones that I like to meditate on. And the list, those those collection of scriptures changes over time but I have one right now that I use virtually every day that I just meditate on the scriptures but I know enough and have studied enough to know that that what I'm uh, meditating on and what these verses are saying I know what they say in their context as well so I'm not in the in danger of taking them out of their context or, or assigning them uh, some other meaning that's not uh, in harmony with the scriptures but another way I like to study the Bible particularly in the New Testament is I like to to focus a little bit further out and I like to read passages and read chapters and get the flow for instance in Paul's epistle to the to the Corinthians what was he addressing what was the purpose of the epistle what were the big themes uh, what uh, uh, what was he talking about how did he flow from one uh, theme to another and what you know how that all fits in if you look at first Corinthians uh, the, the epistle of, of 1 Corinthians, he deals with different kinds of problems in the church. And in chapter 12, he, he switches to it. Now in chapter 11 and the, and the chapters before that, he was dealing with issues, particularly in chapter 11, of the Lord's Supper and the abuse that was being uh, 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 experienced, you know, the abuse of, of, of the Lord's Supper and how people were misusing it in the church. And some chapters, you know, flow right, they're, they're all, you almost wonder why there's a chapter break. He's talking about one thing at the end of one chapter and, then, and, and, and the next chapter it's the same thing and there really shouldn't be a chapter break. You know that man broke the, the Bible up into chapter and verse. God didn't. It's not the way it was originally written. But then there are some distinct uh, changes of topic and chapter 12 introduces a new topic. In chapter 12, he introduces the things of the Spirit, the operations of the Spirit. In chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Now, concerning spirituals, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that the word gifts there is in italics in your King James Bible. That means that that word's not in the original Greek. The translators of the King James and many other translations have inserted that word gifts in there. They thought that would help us. And... Uh, uh, it's, it's a little misleading because in chapter 12, he's talking about more than just spiritual gifts. The actual Greek reading is now concerning spirituals. And the word spirituals is plural. Now concerning spirituals. Another way to read that would be now concerning things pertaining to the Holy Spirit. Now, to, now concerning things of the Spirit, spiritual things. I do not want you to be ignorant. And uh, he goes on in this chapter to talk about three, in this chapter, he talks about three different things. He talks about uh, the gifts of the Spirit. He talks about uh, the uh, ministries of the Spirit. And then he goes on into chapter 13, he starts talking about love. And in chapter 14, he starts talking about the, the workings of the Spirit. And so in verse number four, he begins to give, in verse four, number, four five, and six, he gives an outline to chapter 12, 13, and 14. It's a Holy Spirit outline. In verse 4, he says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And in verse 5, he says, there are different ministries. In verse 6, there are difference of differences of activities. Really, the word there is workings. Notice it says in verse 6, it is the same God who works 
all in all? Well, the, the word works there is also the word that's translated activity. So to be consistent, it's good to say, and there are diversities of workings, but it is the same God who works all in all. So uh, he's going to be talking about gifts, ministries, and the workings of the Spirit. And so in verse number 7, he begins to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 7 through verse 11, he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, in verse 28, he begins to talk about the ministries of the Spirit. That's identified in verse number 5. Verse number 4, it's the first thing, are the gifts of the Spirit. Verse number 5, the ministries of the Spirit. So the gifts of the Spirit are identified in verse 7 through 11. And in verse 28, he starts talking about the ministries of the Spirit. And that goes all the way through uh, the end of the chapter. And in chapter 14, he starts talking about the workings of the Spirit, how the Spirit works. You say, well, what about all the verses in between? It's really interesting to me that interspersed between gifts, ministries, and workings, he has two other passages that are inserted in here that have a, a real important bearing on gifts, ministries, and workings. The first one is the first area that's inserted in here as sort of a, 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 an auxiliary passage is verses 12 through 26 where he talk, starts talking about the unity of the body, how that we're one body and that all the members uh, should have the same care for one another and no one uh, can say that uh, they're not important or they're not important because they're not this or not that. And so in, when we're talking about the things of the Spirit, it's important to understand that we're all still one body and God put us all together and he wants us to function together as a body. And then he starts talking about, uh, in verse 27, he goes back to his outline of, of, the, of the next thing, which are the ministries of the Spirit. And then in, in chapter 13, he starts talking about love. Inserted right here in the middle of all of this is the great love chapter. And when it comes to the ministries of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the operations of the Spirit, love is so important. If people would learn to walk in love, respect one another, love one another, and honor each one's part in the body of Christ, then the gifts and the ministries and the workings of the Spirit will all work like they should. And so that's a general outline uh, to this passage. Now, when you start talking about the gifts of the Spirit, in verse number 7 he says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Here he calls the gifts of the Spirit the manifestation of the Spirit. I like to, pref I, I prefer to call what we call the gifts of the Spirit, I prefer to call them the, the uh, uh, manifestations of the Spirit. For this reason, he only uses the phrase or the words uh, spiritual gift. He didn't use it in chapter 12 verse 1, but he does use it in verse number uh, four and in verse number nine. In verse number nine, the only one of these manifestations that he technically calls a gift calls a gift is the gifts of healings. And that sounds kind of weird, the gifts of healings. Well, the word gifts in the original is, is plural and the word healings is plural. It's a little awkward to say it that way, but that's the way it's written in the Greek and there's a reason for it. The gifts of healings, uh, this spiritual gift is a composite gift. And there are different, inside this gift of the Spirit, there are different gifts. There are different gifts of the Spirit pertaining to different kinds of diseases. So that's why that's, that's stated in, in a plural form. But to me, like I said, I like to refer to these as the manifestations of the Spirit. For this reason, we don't have spiritual gifts as our own in the sense that I have this, a lot of people in talking about spiritual gifts, like, uh, very often they're, they're not scriptural in their, in their understanding of it. They're thinking about all sorts of things. Some are identified, you know, in the scriptures and some aren't like we've, like we've mentioned tonight. But they have the idea that I have this particular spiritual gift. What kind of gift do you have? Let's discover what your gift is. Well, the, the real spiritual gifts that are outlined in verses 7 uh, uh, through verses, verse 11, 
These are not gifts that we, that we possess, that we have and we carry around with us. And because if, if, you had, if you had a gifting that was yours and it was on you all the time, it would be manifesting all the time. But the gifts of the Spirit manifest as the Spirit wills. You, you can't, if you, if you prophesy, you can only prophesy when the Spirit comes on you. You can't just get up and prophesy anytime. And not understanding this has led some people in some charismatic uh, circles to feel like, well, I've got this gift of, of prophecy, and so I can prophesy at will. And there are a lot of churches, you wouldn't think it, but there are a lot of churches that have that kind of excess going on where there's people that feel like, you know, every time they come, they've, you know, if you can just, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prophesy tonight. And a lot of times it's, it's in the flesh, it's not in the spirit. And so these are spiritual gifts that manifest as the spirit wills. Now there's another, there's another side to that that uh, wouldn't be so uh, common to lay people. There are certain ministries or certain ministers because of their ministry office, they do have a real frequent and recurring or you could say consistent manifestation of certain gifts of the Spirit. And so you could say that they have those gifts as part of their office, as part of the equipping for the ministry they stand in. Most lay people do not have that. Uh, but even those ministers that have those gifts of the Spirit that, that seem to be very frequent and, and are a part of what really defines their ministry, even still, if they're, if they're right and if they're balanced and if they're uh, uh, effective ministers, they don't try to just operate without the anointing. They still depend on the anointing, the Spirit of God to move on them. And so it's better to, just to, to take the idea that these spiritual gifts are manifestations that come as the Spirit will. They're not, something that, they're not something that we carry around. And so there are the, the nine gifts of the Spirit. And so he said, the, or the manifestations of the Spirit. He said, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings. To another, the, by the same Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, uh, when it comes to the gift of tongues, there's a lot of confusion in the church uh, where this is concerned. Because Paul said, in if you go up to verse 30, he says, do all have the gifts of healings? Well, the implied answer is no. Do all speak with tongues? The implied answer is no. Do all, do all interpret? The implied, the implied answer is no. But in this passage, he's not really talking about spiritual gifts by themselves. He's really talking about these gifts in connection with certain ministries. Because beginning verse 28, he starts talking about apostles and prophets and, and teachers that God, have set, that God has set in the church. And there are manifestations or gifts of the Spirit that go along with these. Not every believer is going to operate in these, in these public uh, uh, parts of tongues and interpretation. When you, when you talk about the gift of tongues, different kinds of tongues... And the gift of the interpretation of tongues. That when, when the scriptures uh, uh, read that way, they're not talking simply about someone being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with tongues as an expression of being filled with the Spirit. In other words, the initial physical evidence of being filled with the Spirit or uh, praying in tongues in your private prayer life, worshiping the Lord. That's really not what it's talking about here when it's talking about the, the, uh, the gift of different kinds of tongues. This is talking about the public manifestation of tongues. And, uh, and so, you know, there, there are always people in the church who want to make the scriptures or, or, or to dismiss anything that's really supernatural. In, in ministry and in the things of God. There are some denominations that absolutely despise the supernatural. 
There are some, there are some uh, denominations, if you, if you as, a, if, as a church or as a person start talking about anything having to do with healings or miracles or God doing anything supernaturally, they will rise up and oppose you. I remember one time we had someone coming to, uh, uh, to hold some services. This is way back in the 1980s. And, uh, and I don't remember who it was, but they were coming to, to minister. And, and so uh, Pastor Angela and I and our, and our two boys, they were small at the time. We went around town uh, putting in store windows, you know, a, a, an eight and a half by 11 size poster. Had this person's picture, the, you know, the guest minister and something about miracles. Well, there was a church in town that immediately put an ad in the paper that week. Right after that, said, have you seen any miracles in your life? Didn't think so. They don't believe in miracles. Just, you know, just came out and opposed the idea of miracles. And, you know, I always considered that, you know, weird that somebody would have to, to, to be that insecure, that they'd have to answer, you know, our posters by putting, an, you know, an, an ad in the paper. But there are people who don't want anything to do with the supernatural. There are people who don't want anything to do with healings or miracles or praying for the sick. Even though they can see, they can see it in the scriptures, they, they're, they're almost afraid to touch it because they're afraid they'll get off into the tongues business. And I don't know of any one issue in the church world that is that more frightens people than the issue of speaking with other tongues. I mean, people are either for it or they're against it. And you don't have many people in the middle. And, and, a, and a lot of people are very vocal about being against it. And they're really afraid of it. I don't mean they're afraid in the sense of, you know, like you're afraid of a rattlesnake. What, I'm, what I mean by that is they're, they're, they're uncomfortable. They're afraid of the potential of things getting out of hand because they think people who speak with tongues are, are uh, you know, have lost control of their mental faculties and they believe all kinds of crazy things go in, on inside the, the doors of a Pentecostal church and, and they just, they're just so uncomfortable with it. They don't want to embrace anything that seems miraculous or supernatural other than just a real general sense that God answers prayer. Oh, yes, God answers prayer. Well, if you think about it, if God really answers prayer, that's supernatural. I mean, if God just answered your prayer for some little something, if, if, it, was, if it was something that happened that would not have happened unless God moved, that's pretty miraculous. That's outside the, that's outside the realm of the natural. That's supernatural. But they water things down so much because they're just afraid of being tainted or afraid of being associated with anything that might, that might drift over into speaking with other tongues. And so, and so they, where tongues are concerned, there are people who believe that, the, that different kinds of tongues, the New Testament gift of different kinds, I'm not making this up. There are people who believe, and it's widespread, that the gift of different kinds of tongues is what people get when Christians, when they go to Bible school and study various language, languages and learn to speak different languages so that they can go out on the mission field and preach the gospel in Russian or in you know, some uh, uh, you know, language in Africa or Portuguese or something. They learn these, these languages and to them that is the gift of of tongues, which you and I know that's, that's absurd, but it's, it's a way of explaining away things. And so they say, you know, that, that the New Testament practice of speaking in tongues like what happened on the day of Pentecost, that that has all ceased. We talked about that cessation theology, you know, all of that ceased and it's been done away with. And now the gift of different kinds of tongues is uh, a gift that's possessed by those who have studied languages and learned different languages. They have this gift of, of tongues and the interpretation of tongues is, is closely related to that somehow. Uh, there are other people that believe gifts of healings. 
that the medical profession is the manifestation of gifts of healings. That God, you know, they realized that Jesus healed the sick miraculously and that the apostles healed the sick miraculously. But again, all that passed away when the last apostle died. When the, when the very last apostle, who would have been John, you know, when he, when, he took his, when he took his last breath, then gifts of healings left the church and the gifts of the Spirit, all of the miraculous left. When John took his last breath, it was all over. And, uh, and so now the gifts of healings are, are those things that, the, that God had in, in in primitive days, we needed gifts of healings because medicine, you know, was, was not advanced and, and they didn't, we didn't have all of the uh, discoveries and the wonderful things that have happened in medical science since then. But now God has raised up medicine and given men all of this understanding, all of these treatment uh, regiments and so forth in order to, uh, to care for man. And so that's gifts of healings. But, you know, if any of these gifts of the Spirit are supernatural than all of them are. All of these gifts of the Spirit are manifestations of the Spirit. They're not at all something that is of man. Now, they, they manifest through men and women. They manifest through imperfect channels like you and me. But, but the nature of the gift and the, and the gift itself is supernatural and it comes as the Spirit wills. Now, I said all that because not a lot of people claim uh, phony giftings uh, when it comes to uh, tongues and gifts of healings uh, because, again, only people with, with education could have those gifts. You'd have to study at the university and sufficiently to, to learn enough languages to have that, the gift of tongues. And you'd have to study you know, in college and so forth long enough to, to possess the gifts of healings. But when these, these other gifts of the Spirit, they've also assigned non-supernatural uh, uh, meanings or, or interpretations of them. One thing that, that always comes up when people claim gifts of the Spirit is some people will claim they have, for instance, the gift of knowledge. I have the spiritual gift of knowledge. Well, like I said a couple of weeks ago, there is no spiritual gift called the gift of knowledge. Here it says in verse number 8, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge. And then it says, to another faith and to another gifts of healings, to another working of miracles. Uh, oh, I've skipped the prophecy, discerning of spirits. There are three that, that, that you find real commonly uh, confused. And like I said, knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. People will say, well, I have the gift of discernment. Or I have the gift of wisdom. That was uh, those three of all of these respondents, hundreds and hundreds of respondents, those three, knowledge, wisdom, and discernment were some of the top ones that people identified that they had. They had the, the gift of discernment, the gift of knowledge, and the gift of wisdom. And so what they generally feel is that the gift of knowledge is that knowledge that comes as a result of knowing the scriptures. If you study the Bible a lot and you read a lot uh, uh, and study Bible history and the th it's just study about God and even the knowledge that comes from a close fellowship with the Lord. You know, the longer you work with the Lord, walk with the Lord, the more you know him. The more you know him, the more intimate you become. Well, people have the idea that because they've lived a long time and known the Lord a long time and they've prayed a lot and they've read the Bible a lot, then they have the gift of knowledge. They know the Lord. They know the Bible. That's not what the gift of knowledge is. There are people who believe they have the gift of wisdom. Again, there is no gift of knowledge or gift of wisdom, but they, they believe that the gift of wisdom is, again, a, the wisdom that comes from knowing God and walking with God. And, you know, the longer you walk with God, the wiser you become. Should, should be getting wiser. The more Bible you know, the more experience you have, the wiser you get. I read something today that said something, if I can remember it right, it said uh, uh, experience, experience is, uh, 
could have it. I remember what he said. What is the saying that, that experience is the best teacher? Uh, what is that? You know there's a saying that goes along with that. Anyway, he attached that and he said, we learn experience by our mistakes. That's how we get experience, by the things we do wrong. Well, a lot of people, you know, if, you, if you've lived for the Lord very long, you'll, you'll make some mistakes. And you'll gain some wisdom that way. And you'll gain some wisdom. You know, we gain more wisdom, I think, from things we do wrong than things we do right. But thank God we can still get wisdom either way. But they'll think that there are people who believe, well, I'm, I'm really wise and I've gained a lot of insight and so I have this gift of wisdom. And very often those people are people who, when you ask them a question, they can't give you a straight answer. They've got to give you a deep answer. You know, you ask them just a common everyday question, how are you doing today? They'll get this far away look in their eyes, you know, and they'll give you some real deep philosophical answer to how they're doing. You, you know, you're not interested in that. It was just you wanted to leave, didn't, didn't really want to know how they were doing. It was just a polite conversation uh, interaction. You just said it, you know, how you doing? You just, you don't expect an answer hardly except I'm doing good, you know. But they'll give you this, so they, they try to be wise. Uh, that's not what the word of wisdom is. And then there are those in the church, and these people can, can really, really be a problem, is that they have the gift of discernment. They have the gift of discernment. And they're always discerning bad things about people. The people with the gift of discernment never seem to discern good things. Oh, I just discern this person is a lovely person. It's always, I discern this person is not right. <laughs> Had a, uh, was it a man or a woman that came that time? I think it was a, a, a woman. Yeah, it was a woman came to us and said, Pastor, and it was a visitor. Had you been here maybe twice? Took, took me aside. I said, I just, I don't know if you know this, but there's a man in the church in this church, and he's got a demon. I said, is that right? Oh, yeah, he's got a devil. And I said, well, who is it? I'm not going to tell you who it was, okay? <laughs> if I told you who it was, you would laugh uncontrollably. You'd go, are you kidding me? Such a non-demonic non, uh, uh, person you've ever met. Oh, yes, this person's got a demon spirit. And this lady said, you look in his eyes. If you look in his eyes, you'll see what I'm talking about. So the next time I saw him, I did, you know. There are people that have, they believe they have the gift of discernment. There's no such gift in the Bible. And so, so I'm saying this because when we talk about gifts, and we'll get over in the, in the functional gifts as well, we need, to, we need to be talking about the same thing. We need to be talking about what the Bible's talking about. The word of knowledge is, the definition of the word of knowledge is a, it is a supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts that God knows that you didn't know. If you already knew it, you wouldn't need a word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of past, excuse me, of the past or present existence of, or the nature of, a person, or a thing, or the knowledge of some event given to us by the Holy Spirit for a specific purpose. Now, I know that was a long uh, definition. I'll read it again. The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of the, of the past or present existence of, or nature of, a person or a thing, something that exists or the knowledge of some event given to us by the Holy Spirit for a specific purpose. In other words, the word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation that comes to you that you didn't think up, that you didn't learn by any natural means of, of, of perception, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting. It's something, it's a, a revelation that came to you from the Spirit, but it has to do with certain facts either in the past or something that exists in the present, having to do with a person or a thing or some event, and the Holy Spirit always gives it for a particular purpose. It's not just revelation that just comes to you that has no purpose. 
And so some examples of this would help illustrate it. Uh, and, it, and this, you do know that in the Old Testament, there were seven gifts of the Spirit. In the New Testament, nine gifts of the Spirit. S the seven gifts of the Spirit that we had in the Old Testament are seven that we have in the New Testament. Only the New Testament adds tongues and the interpretation of tongues. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, that existed in the Old Testament. Special faith, the working of miracles, gifts of healings, and prophecy. Those seven gifts of the Spirit were functioning through people as the Spirit willed in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we also have different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. In the Old Testament, uh, go over to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. In 2 Kings 6, Syria and the king of Syria decided to wage war on Israel. And, uh, and so he consulted, it says in verse number 8, he consulted with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. In other words, he's talking about his camp, his military outpost. He said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to such and such a place. And the man of God, that is the prophet Elisha in Israel, sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God told him. Thus he warned him and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. In other words, this happened several times. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? What he was saying is, we've got a mole. Who's the mole? And one of his servants says, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is that I may, may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he, he's in Dothan. That's not Alabama. <laughs> so Elisha, the prophet, would receive a word of not. Now, Elijah didn't know. There was no way for him to know naturally what the king of Syria's military plans were. He wasn't in his bedroom. Syrian king's servant said, the man of God, Elisha, hears in your bedroom what you're saying. Well, he wasn't in his bedroom. The Holy Spirit would show him by the word of knowledge what the king of Syria's plans were military, militarily and he would go to the king of Israel and say, now don't go to this place because the Syrians are coming there and they've laid a trap for you. And so they kept bypassing the plans and sidestepping the plans of the Syrians. That's an example of the word of knowledge. It was, it was a revelation given to the prophet uh, Elisha of certain facts and, and, and certain about people and events and things that had been spoken and plans that were being made. In other words, there, were, there was a reality, the reality being the plans of the Syrian king. They existed God told Elisha about it and he was able then by word of knowledge, he was then able to go to the king of Israel and warn him. Uh, some so it's, it's used to, to warn of danger. Uh, it can be used to inspire people to believe God. Go over to John chapter 1, the gospel of John. John chapter 1 and look at verse 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, to, to, to Philip, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nazareth or Nathanael coming to him, he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, while you were under the fig tree, I saw you. 
Well, this was Nathaniel answered and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. This was, this was a word of knowledge that was given to uh, Jesus. Now, Jesus didn't know this because he was God. Remember our studies? Jesus laid aside all of his divine resources. And so everything miraculously or supernaturally that he did, he did as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. So it was the gift of the Spirit, the word of knowledge. Jesus received a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit about Nathanael. And in this particular case, he saw it. Now, Elisha evidently heard the plans of the king of Syria. I don't mean naturally, because if he had heard naturally, everybody around him would have heard it. But he evidently heard the king make plans to ambush Israel. Here, Jesus saw Philip sitting under that tree. Well, that's a word of knowledge. That was an event, a person, something that, it, that had happened. It, Jesus either saw it after it happened or he saw it, saw it while it was happening, but he saw it. So the word of knowledge can come different ways, but it is still meets this definition of a supernatural uh, revelation of the, pa of the past or present existence of or the nature of a person or thing or the knowledge of some event given to us by the Holy Spirit for a specific purpose. There are many uh, examples of this throughout the Bible. I could just go on and on the rest of the night and give examples about uh, the word of knowledge. The word of wisdom uh, is, so again, it's not just knowledge. There is no gift of knowledge. It's a supernatural revelation that comes about a specific event or a specific person or a, the nature of something that has happened or is happening that, that God gives somebody for a purpose. It's not, someone doesn't just have a gift of knowledge in general. I just possess the gift of knowledge. That's, that is not a valid gift. It is a word of knowledge, and when it's a word of, the reason it says it's a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom is because it's a fragmented piece of knowledge. When Jesus saw Philip sitting under that tree, he saw him and he perceived that he was a man in whose heart was no deceit or wickedness. There's no reason for us to believe that Jesus also knew his age, his birthday, who his mother was, where he lived, what kind of shoes he had. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He only knew by the Spirit what the Spirit showed him. It's like a snapshot or a fragmented piece of knowledge. On Sunday, when I called out people with, with a sores or rashes, you remember very often you hear me say, I, 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 it's this, and I'm not sure about the rest of it. Well, I actually, usually when it happens with me, I'll see something. It's just like it just flashes in front of me, and I saw a sore, actually saw it on some, now I heard, I heard Dr. Dufresne say one time, he was a prophet, you know, and he said that when he would minister to people, you know, he would see on their body, if, you know, they were, and all the ladies were going, you know, oh my gosh, you know, he's seeing me. He said, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I don't see it that way. I, and, and so I know what he's talking about. I saw a sore, but I couldn't make out whether it was a sore, like a festering sore of some kind, or was it a rash sore? All I, I, I only have the knowledge I have. I only had that little fragment, that word of knowledge. To me, it didn't come by by hearing it, it came, I saw it. And so I just said, somebody here with either you've got sores that, that aren't healing or some kind of rash or something that's creating a sore. So very often you'll have, you'll have a minister give a word of knowledge and then say, well, I don't know exactly what this means or I don't know the full picture of it. It's because it's just a word of knowledge. It's not the whole picture. Thank God it's not the whole picture a lot of times, right? <laughs> Amen. The word of wisdom is the same way. People, do, people are not possessed with, or people, that's not a good word. People do not have a spiritual gift of wisdom. I just walk around, I've got the gift of wisdom. I am a wise guy. That's not, that's not a spiritual gift. Uh, it's a word of wisdom. Here's the definition for the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God 
concerning, concerning the divine purpose and plan in the mind of God. The difference between the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom is that the revelation the word of knowledge brings is always present tense or concerning something that has happened in the past. On the other hand, the word of wisdom always speaks of the future. So a word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation. It just comes. You can't turn it on. You don't, you don't pray yourself up into it. You don't imagine yourself into it. You don't stop and, and just sort of think and look to the inside and see if you can find some, something coming up. It's not the way the word of wisdom, it just, it just suddenly manifests. Notice the manifestations of the Spirit. That's why I like to use verse 7. The manifestations of the Spirit are given to each one for the profit of all. The word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purpose and plan in the mind of God. Again, it's a word of wisdom. Last week when I was ministering in California, I preached on Wednesday morning. I don't know if anybody saw that on, online. It was posted online. Uh, I ministered on Sunday mor or on Wednesday morning. Well, about 4 or 4.30 that morning, I woke up. Can't really say the, the Lord woke me up. I'd been waking up about that time. And, and I went back to sleep after this for a little while. But I woke up and I was laying in bed and suddenly I... I I knew, see, the, all of these revelation gifts, they can come by, you can see things, you just see it. Or you hear, you hear the Lord speak to you. Not audibly, but you know, you hear it in here, but sometimes it can sound like it's standing next to you. Or you can just know it. What's your mother's maiden name? Joseph? Are you sure? How long have you known that? Since you were elite, you don't have to think about it. The word, of, the word of wisdom when it comes or the word of knowledge, sometimes it comes just as a knowing and all of a sudden you just know something. You know it just as clear. It's, it's different than an inward witness. An inward witness is more of a general sense that something is right or something is not right or something you need to do this or do that. It's a, it's a sense. The word of knowledge and the word of wisdom is much more clear and very precise and, and if it comes, rather than coming by seeing it or hearing it, if it comes by just a sudden revelation, one minute you weren't thinking about it, you weren't praying about it, you were thinking about something else, and all of a sudden you know something that you didn't know. It's just an inward knowledge. That Wednesday morning as I woke up about 4, 4.30, I think it was closer to 4, I was laying in bed and just kind of praying and uh, wasn't praying about the service. I was just building myself up. And suddenly... I knew that there were four pastors, at least four. There could have been more, four, more than four. But I knew that there would be four pastors in that, that Wednesday morning service who, were, who this year in 2018, they would actually step into some kind of a, either a land acquisition or a building acquisition or begin building or something of that nature. Something having to do with real estate that they would actually acquire some or else they would enter into a contract. A lot of preachers are, particularly if they don't have their own property, if they're renting or if their church is, you know, if they're out of space, a lot of pastors are all the time, they're always looking down the road. I know I'm going to have to build. I know I'm, and so they're always, you know, kind of checking out property or, you know, thinking along that lines. But that doesn't mean they found the piece of property. Doesn't mean they're ready to build. You, you, you go to the bank when you're ready to build. I mean, you, you, when, when you know it's time, then there are some things you have to do to get the ball rolling. I just suddenly knew that Wednesday morning that there would be four pastors there that morning who this year in 2018 would embark, actually not just be looking around at property, but actually take the step of entering into contract. Uh, buying property or building or maybe even renovating, but it would be an act of, of improving property. And the reason the Lord would want uh, pastors to be prepared for that is I know from experience, once that, one, once that ship sails, it can gather steam really quickly. And that's no time to be building your faith and, you know, praying and reading the scriptures. And you, you, need, to, you need to have your faith 
uh, in gear. You need to have your faith quickened. You need to build yourself up up in faith before you sign a contract, before you start a building program. And so that Wednesday morning, I just said, you know, if, if I want all the pastors up here, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you think, you know, that you've, if you've just been looking at property and, but you haven't really entered into a contract and you don't have, you haven't fixated on a particular spot that you believe this is where we're going to build or we're going to buy, <coughs> you've just been looking in general, I want you to come down here because I don't know who the four people are. And the whole front of the, of the church, you know, was lined up with pastors. Well, I never knew who it was. I just went down and laid hands on each one just to encourage them and to stir them up. Because, again, <coughs> if you're going to step into a building program or even a purchase of property, you need to be ready for it. And so the Lord gave me a word of wisdom. That's, this was something having to do with the future. It wasn't a word of knowledge because it wasn't something that existed. It hadn't happened yet. It was something in the future, and it was something that God had planned for the future. That's a word of wisdom. And so, <clears throat> again, it's a fragmented word of wisdom. I didn't know who the fa- four pastors were. I didn't know it was either buying land, entering into contract for, for land, or uh, beginning construction on, on a church, or renovating a building. It had, it was, it's a word of wisdom, so you just have what you have. And you can't go beyond that. And so I just, you know, that's what I gave. So these are words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Notice the difference in that and what people claim when they go, oh, yes, I've got the gift of knowledge. Well, no, you don't. There isn't any gift of knowledge. What they're calling knowledge, the gift of knowledge, anybody can have. It's a knowledge that comes from walking with God and reading the Bible and knowing, you know, how God uh, moves and how he works and, and experience in the things of God. Wisdom's the same way. We should all be growing in wisdom and, and you can be wiser if you want to be. It's not a gift of the Spirit. And then, and then we'll just close out with the other revelation gift and that's the discerning of spirits. People, this, is, this, this one causes a lot of problems in churches that don't know any better. Well, I've got the spirit of, I've got the gift of discernment. Those people are always discerning boogers. They're always discerning bad things. You know, devils, bad motives. They're never discerning that somebody's good and that are wonderful. It's always something bad. Well, there's no such thing as the gift of discernment. That's called the gift of suspicion. And you don't even have to be saved to have that gift. And uh, the discerning of spirits is a gift that enables someone to see or hear in the realm of the spirit. Right now, I'm assuming none of us have the gift of discerning of spirits in operation. We're all looking around and we're, we're looking in the natural. We're not, there are angels all around us. I don't see them. Do you see them? I know they're there because the Bible says they're there because there's such a, 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 an innumerable uh, number of, of angels that there are billions and billions of them all around us. So I know they're there, but I don't see them. If suddenly I saw into the spirit realm and saw an angel or a demon or had Jesus appear to me or something like that, seeing into the realm of the spirit, that would be the manifestation of the discerning of spirits. It, and, and notice it's the discerning of spirits. It's not the discerning of demons. Because some people who believe they have, they call it the discerning of spirits. All they ever discern is demons. It's all they ever see. Well, that's not balanced. The the examples of it in the Bible, there are more examples of discerning good than there is discerning evil. In other words, in the realm of the spirit, they discern angels or so forth. And go back to the sixth chapter of of, uh, 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6. Second Kings 6, you know, after the Syrians, after Elisha warned the king of Israel every time the king of Syria laid a trap, 
the king of, of Syria said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, that is to, to Elisha, alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Well, I, I believe that was a faith statement. And you know, whenever you're surrounded by trouble, just know there's more who are with you than who's with them. Amen? There's more on your side. He said, no, don't fear. There are more with us than, are, than there are those with them. The servant probably looked at himself and went, one, two. He saw all these horses and chariots and soldiers. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. There were angelic hosts all around Elisha, far more than the chariots and the horses that were on the mountains that were surrounding the city. That's an example of suddenly seeing into the realm of the spirit. Uh, another example, I'll just go back real quickly to, to the word of knowledge. It, it can be used, like I said, we'll come back to the to, to discerning of spirits. This is just a good example. Remember when Jesus was at the well and the woman came to him and he said, give me, you know, to drink. And she said, you know, I don't have anything. And so, remember that story? She, uh, she said something about her husband. He, no, he said, go call your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're right. You have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. She was shacking up with number six. And how did he know that? He didn't know that because he was God. That was the word of knowledge. That's a, that's a revelation given by the Spirit of God about a, about a precise situation that exists in the past or the present, but for a purpose. He said, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the man you have now, you're not even married to. He's not your husband. She said, her, her, first, her next words were, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> and she scurried away and went and got people. And God used that as a means of being a powerful witness to her and, and, and a testimony to her that he was present and that it was, it was a sign of the supernatural to draw people to him. Anytime the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, they're for that purpose. They're to do. They're not, it's not just you don't get a word of knowledge for no reason. You don't receive a word of wisdom for no reason. You don't see things in the realm of the Spirit for no reason. And so when people see the Lord Jesus, you know, they'll, sometimes you hear people saying, well, I saw an angel or I saw this or that, you know. Uh, remember Cornelius, he saw in a vision, he saw an angel coming to him and saying, actually there are several of these gifts of the Spirit, these revelation gifts that are in manifestation in that one story. Go over to the ninth chapter of Acts. <clears throat> Acts 10 rather Acts chapter 10 Peter went up on the housetop you remember that to pray and <clears throat> in the first part of the chapter Cornelius a uh, uh, Roman soldier. Verse 2 says he was a devout man, one who feared God with his whole household, gave alms generously, and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, so that would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he saw evidently, or clearly in a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him. Now he saw this angel. That's a manifestation of the discerning of spirits. You can't, you can't make that up. It's either there or it's not there. And uh, the angel came in and called him by name, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? 
So he said, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. So send men to Joppa. Send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Now that was a word of wisdom. That was having to do with the future. It was something he was revealed. It was this angel who, man, who was a manif- came in a manifestation of discerning of spirits. Inside that spiritual gift was this other gift operating. A word of wisdom was given. The word of wisdom was given through this angel telling him God's plan and purpose. He said, I want you to send to, to, uh, uh, to Joppa. There's a man there named Simon and uh, whose who's, uh, surname is Peter. I want you to send for him. He is lodging with another Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He will tell you what you must do. There's both a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom working here. He had, no, I, he had never heard of Peter that we know of. He didn't know that Peter was staying with another Simon, that it was by the seaside and you know, such. That was, so he, what this angel gave during this discerning of spirits was gave him a word of wisdom and also a word of knowledge. Told him about facts that existed and also what was going to happen. So you have all of these things working together. So the angel departed and uh, Cornelius called two of his household servants, a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. When he explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day as they went up, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, about noon. Then he became hungry and wanted to eat. And while they were making, while they made ready, so the gifts of the Spirit can work when you're hungry. Notice, notice Peter wasn't doing anything spiritual at the time. He went up on the housetop to pray, but he got hungry and he's getting ready for lunch. That's pretty natural, isn't it? So while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. What, what manifestation was that? Discerning of spirits. Descending to him, let down to the earth, and, and, and in it were all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air, and a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. Voice came to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. Peter wasn't buying it. He said, no, I'm not doing it. And so the, again, the voice said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he went through that same thing. Did this three times. Then the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, this word of this, this discerning of spirits then lifted. He's no longer experiencing the discerning of spirits. It's gone. So while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Now Peter didn't know this. He's up on the roof. He doesn't know they're down at the gate. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. That's a word of knowledge. He, he didn't get that because he peered over the side and saw them. He was, he was th- thinking about this vision he had seen. And the, P, and the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Now he gets a word of wisdom. Arise, therefore, and go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So you can see that sometimes these gifts of the Spirit operate uh, together. Sometimes they don't. There, there are certain gifts of the Spirit that are in more frequent operation in certain ministers. For instance, prophets have a more consistent manifestation of these revelation gifts. They'll have discerning of spirits, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. That It's sort of like these gifts of the Spirit are, there, are in their portfolio as a prophet. So in that sense, you can say they have these gifts of the Spirit, but it's best to think of it in the sense that it's part of their equipping, but they don't just turn them on and off at will. They don't have them as in their pocket, and they can just pull them out and work them when they want to. And any prophet that operates that way, you need to get far away from him because that's a wrong spirit. But uh, these are the, the actual true gifts of the Spirit that a lot of people in the church world confuse. They just they, there's, there's so many... Uh, people out today, and this has been for many, many years, that have taught on spiritual gifts, and they have all of these uh, uh, fanciful 
uh, definitions and, and imaginations of what these gifts are. And it's, it's best to go to the Bible. Look, gifts of the Spirit are supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And they come by the Spirit and they're either there or they're not there. Take these revelation gifts. You either, it either happens or it doesn't happen. You don't, you don't pray for it to happen. That's that you can get into trouble asking for gifts of the Spirit that way to manifest. You can pray in general and, and desire the gifts of the Spirit, but you, you can get into trouble by saying, Lord, I want a, I want a discerning of spirits. I want to see something. Because the enemy can come in and deceive you and show you something that's not of God. And so the Spirit, when he's in manifestation, uh, he brings revelation like this in these revelation gifts. Uh, and so even uh, with these other gifts of the Spirit, they're all supernatural. They're all miraculous. And so uh, I just thought it would be good to, to identify these things because you'll hear people talking about their, you know, what spiritual gifts they have and trying to decide their spiritual gifts. And you know, it's a combination of ignorance and, and uh, psychology and all sorts of things going on. That's not biblical. We need to stick with the Bible. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.